always makes me feel good when I can see things moving. Sure, yeah. That's how it is with that that program that I use for the monologues. Mm-hmm. I can see waves, so I know it's doing something. Right. <laughs> it's I, don't, like, I don't understand any of it, but it's there. It's like why they make shampoo, like, sud stuff yeah, now. Yeah, so exactly. You, you, think it's so you know something. it's doing something. <laughs> or they put mint in toothpaste so people feel like it's uh-huh, clean. really cleaning. Uh-huh. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hauntings Podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, the dark side of American history, and sometimes well, horror movies. Yes, horror movies, because it is our annual Halloween episode. Yes, you've caught up with us around Halloween time, and it's in between seasons. And today we're going to discuss our favorite horror movies of the 1990s. My name is Cody Beck, and with me as always is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hello. Again. How's it going, man? Uh, good. Good. So it is the end of the season, literally. We are not, and for once, we're not actually pretending like it's the end of the season. We actually are recording this at the very end of October. Yes. It is not the 31st, and you will hear this on the 29th, but it's essentially the end of October, yes. at least as far as most things go. And like I said, we're in between seasons, but we can actually talk about the yeah, fourth season. we can. Now we finally announced it. Yes, Haunted New Orleans. For yes. those of you who didn't listen to our trailer, I mean, first off, shame on you, but second, we're going to New three Orleans. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's like three minutes. Uh, but we're going to New Orleans. We're going to go back to a similar format to the first and second season where we pick a bunch of different stories and kind of talk about all these different things that happen in one kind of geography as opposed to following one story right, all right. the way through. Um, I don't know what all is going to be in there, but well, it's we're going to. We're going to get rolling next month. Uh, we'll leave it at that. And uh, it's there's a lot of material to choose from. Mm-hmm. So we, as Cody said, we will be back to our kind of our our regular format of how we were doing the St. Louis season. So there may be some stories that require more than one episode, kind of the way that we did the Lemps and uh, the St. Louis Exorcism, yep. things like that. But um it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about for the end of this season or should I jump into some listener reviews? No, we, well, you know, all I'll, all I'll mention is that it is the end of the season and all of our Halloween events are either you know, over or are sold out, the few that we do have left. But we have posted our winter and spring events that are coming up. Um, everything from the Dead of Winter Festival in February, we'll be doing a live podcast like we normally do. There, uh, we also have uh, we have events with the Limp family. We have events with the St. Louis Exorcism. We have events with H.H. Um, H. Holmes, the Bell Witch. Um, gosh, a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Um, that, oh, the Spirit World, the Spiritualism one. I, that's gonna. I'm a lot of people really looking forward to that one. It's already filling up, and so it's yeah, it's gonna be fun. We got a lot of stuff set up already, and um, it's time to start getting excited about it now that Halloween's over. And we start thinking about winter, which is really the spookiest time of the year. It it really is. Why is that? Well, because everything is dead. (laughs) So, no, but I mean, you know, in in old tradition, that's when, you know, the Victorians and, and the people before them celebrated you know, not so much Halloween was sort of the beginning of mm-hmm. spooky season and Christmas, you know, all those Christmas ghost stories and all of the wintertime ghost stories. It's, it is the creepiest time of year. And we, you know, started embracing that like 
you know, 15, 20 years ago. And so we do a lot of stuff in the winter time. People are always bored because, oh, well, there's nothing to do, man. We got plenty to do. Just go take a look at the website, AmericanHauntings.net. We got lots to do this winter. And tickets are going to go on sale in the beginning of January for the uh, 2020 Haunted America Conference, huh, too. Already. So we, I know we're already thinking about it because the website is going to be updated in the next couple of weeks. We'll have everything on there. We've got new after hour events, new speakers, all kinds of different stuff coming up again. And uh, it's it's going to be a, another really good, fun time. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to everything we have coming up with season four and in 2020. Uh, let's dive into some listener reviews. Sure. This first one is titled Love American Hauntings, and it's from Dope Pimpin. <laughs> Thank you for that. I just love that. Yeah. It's, uh, it says Troy and Cody put together a wonderful show each episode. American Hauntings is, is great for history buffs and ghost lovers alike, especially for those residing in the Midwest. Thank you very much for your review. This one is titled Love the Show from CC Benton 85. It says, first podcast I ever checked out. I was hooked from the beginning. I live in Des Moines, Iowa. Started listening season three. My fiance and I made a trip to Villisca the first Saturday after starting the series. Um, and I've since listened to every episode. Really anticipate. Tuesday's new show. Thanks, guys. Uh, this is name, his name's Cody Benton, and he said, "I feel Cody Beck and I could be friends." I, <laughs> I, I totally yep. feel the same. He said, "P.S. Troy, um, I've since got a, a song of dance and death. I'm the vocalist in a local death metal band and love it. Oh, well, so good. I, I, I love metal. So <laughs> please send me your band name, and uh, we can talk all about it." Since some of the songs I've written, um, we perform about things like the Exorcist movie, uh, Psychomantium, Dorothy Quint. Puente? I don't know. Uh, ETC, and he said, your info and knowledge are all definitely influenced more creativity, creativity in my own writings. Troy, you are influencing death metal culture. Hey, that works for me. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for writing in. This next one's titled One of the Best in the Genre. It's from CD Stein 69. Uh, have been reading Troy's work for years, and when I heard of his podcast during its first season, I've been hooked ever since. Sense of history with the paranormal would love to hear about historical hauntings such as at universities, hospitals, penitentiary, uh, you're not too bad either, Cody. I don't know if I either, <laughs> if I read that one already or if multiple people have said that, but hey, thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. And then this last one's uh, Make Changes for Me, Deb. And it's just very well done. It just said, I discovered your podcast, Thanks to History Goes Bump, referring to it and uh, in the season. As a person who loves history, true crime, and ghost stories, I've really been pleasantly surprised at this gem of a show. I've listened to most of season three in two days while at work. It's nice to see a, uh, see a, well-researched show. I also like that you both speak clearly and seem to be able to hold a conversation without those <laughs> annoying catchphrases used ad nauseum at some true crime podcasts have started doing and still have an interesting show. Catchphrases? Yeah, keep up the good work. Looking forward to listening more in the future. Yeah, I don't know what they... There must be something. I don't know what it is, though. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'd be interested to uh, yeah. hear and then I'll probably immediately regret it. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for writing in and um, again, those reviews help people find the show. Uh, we just recently crossed 505 star reviews oh, on wow. iTunes cool. and that's awesome and that really helps people find our show so thank you very much uh, for leaving those ratings and reviews we always enjoy reading them even if they're not nice so they're still fun to read um, so thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you very much sometimes even more fun yes so. uh, you ready to dive into <laughs> sure. these movies so like I said 1990s not exactly the heyday for <laughs> not, no not for horror films it's like everything on this list that is a decent movie and and 
I do understand there may be some questionable titles on this list, mm-hmm. but this is not the best movies. This is just ones that I liked in out of the 90s. So we're but, covering our asses that Yeah, way. we are. We are. But, I mean, for every movie on this list that was good, there's a, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is essentially the Gordon Fisherman chasing the kids from Scary Dawson's Creek. That's <laughs> I how it. I think of those movies, and there were a bunch of them. I, I Know What You Did Last Summer. I still know what you did. I I knew what you used to do. I don't right. even know what all know the titles you, yeah. are. And while, you know, I thought the original Scream, which is not on this list because I, would, I just don't love it that much. I have much. a note to talk about that. I know, yeah. yeah. And I knew you did. And, and Lisa asked me about that too. But um, while I thought the the original was clever, mm-hmm. it's a little too meta for me okay. to really like it. You know, I mean, I get it. I get it. I, and I get the novelty behind it. And the opening sequence is, is pretty scary. Sure. It's, it's well done. But then there were the sequels, which yeah. I think suck. Sure. And so that just sort of, I don't know, it, it sort of just rained on the mm-hmm. original for me. I don't know. It's just, I've just never loved it that much. I should have, but I didn't. So Scream was one of those movies where, uh, you know, when you'd have like the really scrambled channels that would come in right, and, and right. you'd watch stuff you weren't supposed to right, for the most right. part. Well, Scream 2 came on one of those when I was a kid. And so I remember watching uh, what David Arquette like die in the sound booth. Um, Spoiler alert! You, just kidding. God, so, movie's almost 20, older 20, than 25 I am. Year old movie. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is different. And then I finally I saw Scream, and that was one of the first horror movies I ever saw. And something that like I mean, aside from Child's Play, which I saw when I was like two or whatever, <laughs> um, this one was the first one I could actually enjoy because I watched it. And then they kill scrambled. Well, they, yeah, it was scrambled. They'd kill someone, and then there'd be like some upbeat rock and roll music playing, right. and I was like. Like, oh, this is kind of like making murder fun, you know? And <laughs> right, it was a very right. weird concept for me. So that kind of turned me on to the whole thing. But let's dive into the movies that are on the okay, list. Okay, well, I started, I, I tried to start the beginning and sure. work all the way to 99. So the first movie that I put on the list was Nightbreed. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I've rewatched it. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you the worst thing you could possibly do is to watch the director's cut with the musical numbers. You should just not watch that oh, because God. it's really bad. Um, Wasn't the music by Danny Elfman? Yeah, no, but these are musical numbers like singing. Right. Yeah, right. and you don't want that. But this is so. still it's weird to have a horror movie, I feel like. Well, I mean, I know Danny Elfman does a lot of stuff, but it's it's it was when I saw his name pop up, I was like, yeah. that is weird. Yeah. And I love Danny Elfman. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's 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 as subtle as a sledgehammer. You know, the yes. monsters are the good guys, the humans are the bad guys you know, uh, David Cronenberg playing the evil psychiatrist, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it has its moments. It, it, it's got some good stuff in it. I thought some of the opening sequence, I remember going to the theater and sitting in the theater and watching this mm-hmm. and the opening sequence came on and I thought this is going to be the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And it wasn't, but it does have its good points. It's, it's an interesting concept. And as we'll hear, as we go through this list, uh, the nineties were a good time for Clive Barker. Apparently there was a lot of Clive Barker Barker in the eighties and nineties, but, um, I, I always like this movie. Um, it, it's I've got a soft spot for it. Uh, like I said, I've rewatched it. Some of it doesn't work as well as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the, the, 
you know, the director's cut is, uh, my God, just stay away from it. And just we'll talk stick about with the that. original release, seriously. So my, I watched this movie last night for the first time. Did you? Oh, really? My notes were, they start with music by Danny Elfman, question mark? Yeah. Oh, another Clive Barker. Okay, this already seems weird. Wait, he's got a gun? And then Troy, I hate this movie. Um, <laughs> so I ended up liking it a lot more by the end, but it yeah. was... This was probably the most bizarre one I feel oh, like that bizarre. I watched on the list. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it's fucking weird. I mean, it was, it was kind of cool. It had its moments and yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was a very interesting I like the idea universe. It. Right, yeah. Exactly, the world building exactly. kind of stuff was yeah. interesting. Um, but it, I did not know to, what to expect and it was, um, it was, it was bizarre. Um, as we mentioned, written and directed by Clive Barker. Uh, tw- so 20th Century Fox, you, you mentioned the director's cut. So Fox drastically cut this film at the last minute prior to its theatrical it, release. Which turned out to be a, a good a, thing. And I would never say that normally, but right. in this case, it turned out to be a good so thing. So they said they were omitting most of the more graphic violence and completely yeah. deleting rock really? singer Susie yeah, Quattro's role. Yeah. Um, and then the director's cut was finally released in 2014 after a 24 year Oh, and I was wait. so excited, yeah. too. I mean, I went right out and bought the Blu-ray. I mean, I was stoked and it's not good and it's it's not good um it is it should have just been left alone did danny elfman write those musical bits too do you think? that i don't know that That's i don't know but it, it, they're really bad yeah and it's just really bad and they go on for an ungodly amount of time yeah and it's just not is it like you're watching like a good. musical instead of no like, it's uh, not that it's not that bad it's just like there's Greece? there's a lot of stuff that just should not be in there okay that's all that's the so. thing is like danny elfman i mean nightmare before christmas you know yeah. like amazing we, music we music were songs. better off when it was this, you know, apocryphal legend of a, you know, uncut director's version of the film that, you know, mm-hmm. when that was like a, a pipe dream that yes. we'd never see. Yes. It's it like was, Al Capone's it seemed, safe. You it don't seemed open it up. really cool. But once we saw it, it was, it's, it just sort of like the story just sort of disappeared once it came out. I'm no sure. one was talking about it because no one wanted to be mean. You know, it's it was just like, bad. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you're nerdy enough for this, but it's like the Snyder cut with Batman versus Superman and our Justice League. I'm oh sorry. yeah, actually, the everybody extended wants this, one. Yeah. Oh no, there's the, another. Version. Everybody wants right, the right, Zack right. Snyder yes. cut, and I'm like, if that I'm thinking comes you out, probably don't. Yeah, you, know, you, you don't you want that. Don't. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Nightbreed, check it out. And also, uh, last year I included a lot more information with all these, including like where to watch. But honestly, Google the movie and yeah, it'll show you, you find everywhere that's current right. and, and, and also sometimes it's not current like Netflix will yeah. toss something off the day before so like right. look everywhere everyone has so many streaming services now just Google the I movie I think about everything on this list is available somewhere it, yeah, yeah. It, it all yeah. is available at yeah. least and, and I mean pretty much everything on here is available if not with your subscription it's for, available for like four bucks yeah, you oh, know? yeah. yeah everyone that I look for so. um, alright you want to move on to the next one yes. yes I'm excited for this one I love this movie yes. this is the best of the entire series in yeah? my opinion Okay. Um, Predator 2. While I know it is not specifically a horror movie, it is more, a little more sci-fi mm-hmm. adventure, but it has a lot of horrific elements. Absolutely. And I think what makes this movie work is that it sets up the mythology of what the Predators are. Mm-hmm. Because in that first movie with Arnold, yes. it is just this thing in the jungle. And, you know, this is this is where we learn that they're coming to hunt for sport. Mm-hmm. And, There's an alien you know, skeleton. Exactly. And, and it's just... 
I just think this movie really works. Uh, Danny Glover, I think, is great in Phenomenal. it. Phenomenal. Bill Paxton is great in it. Um, and Gary Busey, pre-automobile <laughs> or, or motorcycle wreck, yes. uh, is also really good as this sort of sinister, you know, uh, FBI, CIA guy, CIA, I guess. Right. And uh, trying to capture a predator. I, I just, I, this movie just really works for me. And I find that, yes, it is a sci-fi movie. I get it. And it's also an adventure. But it doesn't have to be, you can still have some something that that isn't strictly a horror film be a horror film and i think this one works under that banner so we filmed a video the other day for cinema blend and it's literally titled what makes a horror movie a horror movie and this is something that i i mentioned to people i was like i'm gonna bring this up to troy because i want to know and i thought this would be a good example of it because i was trying to figure out um, I, we were using the movie Seven as an example, and people sure. are like, "Oh, I, it's a thriller mystery." I'm like, "But uh, that guy does a horror film. He does the most yep. horrific things yes. to people possible, and that could happen. Right. How is that not a horror? I movie? see that as a horror film. And as same with the this, next, right? Next one on the list is the same way. Yes, and yeah. we'll dive into that. Yeah. But what do you think it is? Like, like what are your? I argue the Predator Two is definitely a horror movie too. Of course, it's sci-fi, but is it? Is it the genre that comes first? Well, is it what, what the director trying to do? What would you, call, what would you call Alien, the original? That is a as they described it when it came out. It is a haunted house in space. Mm, yeah. I mean, okay. that is, that is a horror film. Right. I, I get it. It's called alien. It's about a spaceship. It's, you know, out in the universe somewhere, but that's a horror film. Mm-hmm. So is this, I mean, this is horrific things happen in this. And so you can't, you can't really put your finger on one particular thing that makes a horror film, a horror film, because you, you call Halloween is a horror film. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so is, you know, something with supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got two completely different things. And I know there could be the argument about Michael Myers being the boogeyman. And I, but let's just sure. say he's, a, you know, is a, this unstoppable, almost unstoppable killer. Um, so what makes that different than, you know, a movie that is about makes a, different a haunted predator. house? Yeah, or Predator, right, exactly. Or, you know, a, a vampire film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. So I, I you know, whether it's serial killers or whether whether it's if if there are scary things happening to me, it fits in a category of horror mm-hmm. films. Um, if it's got blood in it, it's almost always a horror film. Right. Not always, but right. you know, a lot of times it is. So, I think the definition is so broad that, and and maybe not everybody would agree with this, but hey, you know what? I put it on the list. Yep. It was my list. I put it on there. I like it. I think <laughs> I think one thing is that people shy away from trying to classify things as horror um, because it's looked down upon for like critics and Academy Awards yeah, and we things like just, that. Let's go on on to the next next film on the list because there it is. Yeah. Can yeah. I, can I tell you real quick? Yes. So a couple fast facts though, real quick. Okay. I think you're yes. funny. Um, so the filming in the alley scene was very troublesome for the filmmakers due to the rough neighborhood. So remember this is oh, in yeah. LA, right. um, the alleys littered with garbage. Most of the, most of which was used in the film and plagued with large rats. Uh, local residents were angered by the noise created by the film crew and they would throw bottles and paper bags <laughs> filled with feces from the windows oh, at the great. crew. Worst of all, the crew found a dead body hidden among the garbage. Oh, I had heard that. Yes. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger said no, to Predator 2 because he didn't like the new director or the new script. Uh, the film was recut over 20 times according to Stephen Hopkins because really? most of the graphic shots and mutilated bodies and decapitations by the Predator. Oh, so we wow. missed out on some yeah, more horrific elements. Some, yeah, but yeah, speaking of, of films, you know, not necessarily being recognized as much as they should have, yeah. you go to the next one on the list, uh, The Silence of the Lambs, which I right. think is one of the best which horror is, films ever created. Yeah, it is, but it's definitely a horror film. Yes. I mean, How I mean, not? there's everything about this. I mean, when, when it was made, they... 
you know, Jonathan Demme said, oh, no, it's not a horror film. Yeah, it is a horror film. It is the best horror film that's not a horror film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it really, it wasn't the first movie that Hannibal Lecter was in. It was actually the second. But was it? Yeah. Um, Manhunter was first, which is actually Red Dragon, which is the first book in the series. Okay, but Red and Dragon with Ed Jordan. was the name of it, and Michael Mann did it in the 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, and Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter. Interesting. And Will Graham from CSI that, uh, Will Graham, uh, it's not his real name. His name is Will Graham in the thing. But, right. Um, oh my gosh. Why Gris- my, my, Grissom? Yeah, now that's uh, his name in CSI. Oh. William Peterson. Oh, sure. William shit. Peterson played uh, Will Graham, who was the original, like, um, you know, the Ed Norton character? Or? Yeah, the same, he's the same character. He's so wait, the is same Manhunter character. the Man same story of Red Dragon? same story as Red Dragon. Okay. They remade that later with Anthony Hopkins. In. Got it. Uh, but that actually takes place before Silence of the Lambs. So Interesting. Anthony Hopkins was really great as this character. And um, Scott Glenn is in it. Ted Levine plays Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. who is, again, and here's how we base this on a horror film and make this a horror film. Um, his character is based on Ed Gein. Yes. Who also inspired Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, yes, it's a horror film, yes. in my opinion. But you know what my only hang-up about this movie is? Um, I, lo- I love I love Silence of the Lambs. It holds up. I mean, you can't tell that it was made in 1991. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a great movie. I've got one up. problem with this Is it Jodie Foster? Yes, it is Jodie Foster, oh my God. who I like. I like Jodie Foster normally. Her accent is so phony mm-hmm. in this movie. I do not understand how she got an Academy Award for this. I don't get it. It is the worst corn pone mm-hmm. accent I have ever heard. I, I don't understand it. Can I tell you a little fun fact? Yes, you can. Okay. So again, I'm taking all these facts from IMDb, so they might mm-hmm. not actually be facts, but I try to get things that were uploaded yeah. a lot. So don't take me at my word for this. But so Jodie Foster claims that during her first meeting between Lecter and, and Starling, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins mocking of her Southern accent was improvised on the spot. Foster's horrified reaction was genuine. She was she felt she was personally <laughs> attacked. She later thanked Hopkins for generating such an honest reaction in preparation for, and, and in preparation for his role, um, Anthony Hopkins studied films of serial killers. Um, he also visited prisons, studied convicted murderers, and was present during some court hearings concerning gruesome murders and serial killings. But yeah, so he mocks her accent, and well, rightfully yeah, so. I, I agree. Yeah, that's my only that's my only issue with the movie. Other than other than that, I think it's great. No, it's phenomenal. Ted Levine is. I've seen Ted Levine in so many different things where he's you know uh, you know a, a, a good guy. A normal he's person. He's like the dad in uh, Hills Have Eyes in the first one in the remake. Oh, okay. And I mean, he's just been in so many things and then you see him in this. Oh, that was him. Crap. This is scary. And he's so scary. But then the other issue, the only other problem I have with it is, you know, when he does the scene in front of the mirror where he dances. Yes. And and then all I ever think of is Jay and Silent Bob whenever I see that now. Now, of course, I didn't see it when I think of that when I first saw the movie and when it came out, but now that's all I can picture. It's amazing. And I start laughing. <laughs> Speaking of that, I've heard nothing but phenomenal things about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Like surprisingly really? great things. Oh, yeah. I, the only review I saw was that, that these guys are still playing these characters in their 40s that it's as sad as the movie is. That was the review. That I is saw. upsetting. You can cut this out, but that's what I saw. That is upsetting. And I, I don't know. I haven't sure, seen I'm, it. Sure. I'm excited. So. I wasn't ready. I was kind of like, yeah, I'll watch it. But now I'm like actually excited to see it but ouch i guess okay we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens uh moving on to the next one 1992's candy man oh man to see this is 
I don't know. I'm looking at this list and there's a lot of movies I like on this list. Uh, but I got to say, this is probably my favorite. Really? Of all of them on the list. Um, it's just, it's early on because it's 92. But mm-hmm. I think the original Candyman, and I know that they're remaking it now. And you're uh, rebuilding yeah. it and trying to do something different. And it'll probably be fine. Because um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that holds up that is still relevant. Sure. But the original Candyman with Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen, um, that movie is such a time capsule of Chicago at the time. Oh. Okay. Uh, with Cabrini Green and the way things actually were then. Um, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's cool to watch because there's so many things that are gone now, like most of Cabrini Green mm-hmm. um, is, is all gone. That was the, the towers and that, sure. that housing project that was there, which was a nightmarish place you yeah. know, on its own. So that I think is what makes this story so scary is because the real life stuff, it was as scary as the supernatural elements of yeah. the story and I, I don't know I just love that movie I, had, I mean I'd it's, heard it's of it such a great movie I'd heard of it for years um, and never watched it until uh, about last week um, and I enjoyed it a lot oh, really you'd never seen it before I'd never seen it before oh, I didn't I'd, realize that. I'd heard of it yeah. all the time and especially when Jordan Peele said he was going to remake it right, right. Um, I'd heard, heard about it a lot everybody's more. pulling out the OG Candyman now so, yes. yeah. so I uh, was interested you know check it out but I really enjoyed it. it I didn't really love it until I'd seen the whole thing like mm-hmm. I, I was kind of going up through ups and downs yeah. throughout the movie. Well, because it has like four different climaxes in the film. Yeah. I mean, there are four yeah. different places where the story kind of starts over again. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting and another Clive Barker story, by the yes. way, yes. but it's an interesting format, the way that the film was made mm-hmm. as far as the way that the story runs and what happens to the different characters and how yeah. they end up where they are, especially poor Virginia Matson. I mean, you know, talk about, yeah. you know, talk about a rough ride there. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I like, I liked her, her arc though. Um, and apparently that like, they uncovered a way that people actually used to break into some apartments, apparently yeah. through the mirror yeah, and through stuff, the mirror. Yeah. Um, which I thought was, yeah. So they, they took a lot of things about it. It, that were true and mm-hmm. then blended it in. Now the original story takes place in England and it, it's nothing like the movie. Okay. Um, so when they, they took the story as a basis for it and then created a story set in Chicago, the mm-hmm. way that they did, um, it really elevated the material a lot. A sure. Lot. It's uh, completely different than, than the story was. So yeah, like you mentioned, another Clive Barker film, uh, Tony Todd was apparently stung by bees 23 times. Yeah. During this, I, I, this heard an, I read, I heard an interview with him yeah. recently. He was on with Mick Garrison at postmortem podcast and he was talking about, you know, different films and was talking a lot about Candyman. And he said, you know, we well, could never get away with that now. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd never let you put all those bees in your mouth right. and stuff. And he really did that stuff. And yeah. Yeah, he got stung quite a bit. So the bees were bred specifically for the movie. They need to make sure the bees only live about 12 hours. It was <laughs> right. only 12 hours old. Uh, so they look like mature bees, but their stinger wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage. Uh, I don't uh, care. I don't, I don't care, care how old they are. Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also read, I don't know if this is true, that that he had a clause in his contract for a bonus per sting, but yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if that's that. true, yeah, but he, that would I be smart. Know. It could be. Um, all right. <laughs> you want to move on to the next sure, one? Sure. Sure. Uh, okay. 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Now, this is, I like to call this style over substance. 
Okay. Um, All right. This is not, I mean, this was influenced by, I mean, it's the early nineties, really influenced by Anne Rice and, you know, the, the pretty romantic vampires, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're talking about Gary Oldman playing Dracula, who's okay, but Keanu Reeves is awful in this uh, with his bad British accent. Winona Ryder's not much better. Anthony Hopkins is a, terrible accented but okay as far as acting goes of course as Van Helsing yes. but I mean this this film looks beautiful yeah and it has some great stuff in it mm-hmm. if you take pieces out of it yeah um, I like the shadows I mean stuff yeah, and me, how too. Me, yeah me too me yeah. too I like all of the I like everything in the first half of the film that takes place like in Dracula's castle mm-hmm. like with the the, 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 th- the sisters the three sisters yeah, yeah, yeah you know that part is great the stuff with um Lucy, when she becomes, you know, taken over by the vampire and she's in the wedding dress and she's walks into the room and they find her and she's carrying that little child yeah. all over. I thought all of that stuff, she was great. There's a lot of great stuff in it, but then there's also a lot of lame stuff in it. What a weird so, like sex the 90s, stuff. It's kind of like the 90s horror films in yeah. general. You it's know, a there's a, some good stuff with a lot of lame shit mixed yeah. in. But, you know, I don't know. I like the movie. It's fun to watch as long as you don't sit down thinking, boy, I really really want to see a, a serious making of Dracula yeah. here. It's, but I mean, it is better than, and you know, it's Francis Ford Coppola. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it has a, a real beauty to it, but it's sure better than the Frankenstein movie he did Yes, with Robert De Niro as the monster. I could not get through <laughs> that. I, I, I've tried a couple of times thinking I'll go because I really like Kenneth Branagh. I mean, mm-hmm. I like the whole cast is good except for De Niro as Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, and he's got this twisted up lip. And I kept thinking, is he going to go, you know, are Folding you talking to me, yeah. you know, the whole time? And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't work with that. So, That's but I, I did like the Dracula. I, I mean, was, it was, it's fine. I was worried that we were going to get the same thing with a cast that I loved and then a terrible movie. Cause I was like, Gary Oldman, Keanu, know, Anthony right. Hopkins, like it's going to be great. I like everybody but in it, worried. but it's just not, you yeah. know, it just doesn't. It was, it was fun though. Like I said, there's a lot of weird sex stuff in the movie. There is, um, but there it, is, it, but it's it the Victorian era. So they tried to, you know, sure. use that as best they could, but sure. Yeah, it's an interesting film. Uh, so fun facts, Gary Oldman hired a singing coach to help him lower his voice by an octave to help give him really? more Dracula sinister quality okay. at the first cast meeting called by producer and director Francis Ford Coppola. He got all the principal actors and actresses to read the entire Bram Stoker novel out loud to get a feel for the story. Oh God. According to Anthony Hopkins, it took two whole days to I'll complete. It did. That is, sounds like a nightmare. And yes, I hope it does. I hope that's not true. Cause not all of the book is great. It's yeah, really not. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like most of the films. The first half is great. Second half slows down a bit. I can so, see that. Yeah. Uh, then again, don't know if these are all true, but it said Gary Oldman was drunk the night they filmed the scene where he had to lick the blood from Keanu Reeves straight razor. Uh, the scene was filmed after midnight, which was added uh, added to the spirit of the scene and helped put the cast it's in good the proper scene. mood. It it's is. And I was just like, did he just lick that fucking plate? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, he's not really hiding the fact. So, I mean, kind of. Turn his yeah. head real quick, yeah. but he even like floated over to him, kind of uh-huh. like you know, not really. Yeah, there's the- some some big red flags in the whole <laughs> beginning of this as you're on your way to the castle. There's a lot of red flags there, and I'm thinking I probably would have just said, you know what, I don't need this job that bad. I think I'm going home. Well, so. and then he tells him initially, he's like, if you land this deal, that will secure your position with the firm for like ever. And I was like, oh wait, so he's gonna like turn you into a vampire? <laughs> I feel like this is what he's telling you. Like you're gonna work here forever. Yeah, and um, ever and ever and ever. <laughs> Moving on, uh, 1992's Dust Devil. Now, did you find this one? Did I you did track not, this down? I could not watch this one. This one's one. a little bit harder to 
find. Um, I have seen it pop up streaming a couple of times lately at maybe Amazon Prime, but mm-hmm. this is a, a small, it's a very small film. It was an Australian film. Um, it was about this woman who was running away from her abusive husband and then she picks up this mysterious hitchhiker on the road and it turns out that he's like this shape-shifting demon that preys on people who are lost and unloved and mm. that's sort of the okay. thing. And he's being pursued by this cop um, who's tracking the murders that he's committing all across the outback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good movie. It's, it is actually good if you can find it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those, and I put it on the list because it's just one of those movies that has always stuck with me. There's some really great scenes in it. Um, like there's this town that's completely buried in sand and there's just something about the imagery is, is really cool. And, uh, Robert John Burke, you'd know his face, mm-hmm. you might not know his name, but he was, well, he was in a, that movie Thinner. Yeah, yeah, which did not make the list. I noticed um, that. Yeah, yeah. and um, he also was in like years of Law and Order SVU. He always played the uh, the uh, Internal Affairs Bureau cop, the detective that was always after Elliot. Oh, Stegner, and then ends up ends up getting with Olivia. Yeah, and then he kind of ends up dating Olivia the, later on. That's he, him. He's the salt and pepper, handsome old yes, guy. Kind yes, of. okay, yeah, yeah, that's but that's him. That's Got that's it. he plays uh, the the Dust Devil. In, oh, I can see that. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. So yeah, it's it's one of those that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you don't rave up, but it's, it makes the nineties list. Mm-hmm. It's, it's memorable. And if you can find it, it's definitely worth seeing. Apparently this is a long one. This is Richard Stanley's first cut of the film was 120 minutes long. Uh, Miramax hated it and produced their own 87 minute version without Stanley's permission or cooperation. Right, right. Cut out a bunch of references to He's supernatural. Anyway. Yeah. Stanley. Cut out a bunch of references to supernatural and almost completely dispose of the uh, normal, uh, hero's role and then they released it to the European market Stanley never saw that version came to an agreement eventually later to do a 95 minute cut um, so there's a lot of back and forth it looks like to yeah. really get the movie made how he wanted um, and then finally after about a year and a half of frantic searching Stanley discovered the original negative was being held by Polygram so he went to the film's original investors and then um was able to finally recut to um, his own his own stuff, but he yes. had to pay for a lot of it too. Um, so, yeah. fight, fighting to get your project. I, mean, I hope made. he got. I hope he got it. Made some of his money back in Australia. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he made it back here. Yeah, I don't ever remember, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember this movie being out in theaters. The first time I ever saw it mm-hmm. was home video. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had turned me onto it, and um, so I don't. I don't know how all that went, but if you find it, it's worth watching. Right. Well, I'm glad I didn't illegally download it then because I want this guy to get his <laughs> yeah. 57 cents or yeah. whatever. Um, we were speaking of Stephen King and yes. moving on. This is 1993's The Dark Half. I was intrigued from this one in the very beginning because it had Stephen King and George A. Romero. Right. So I was like, what right. am I getting into? Yeah. So yeah, can you talk about like this I like this movie. Um, I like the book. So yeah. I mean, the, the story is about a writer played by Timothy Hutton, uh, who I was very skeptical about. You know, going into this Mm because I thought, oh boy, Timothy Hutton. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, um, he plays a writer who is, um, you know, working to put together, you know, he he does like these kind of really in depth, like it's those books that you see in the bookstore that you've never heard of. And they always say a novel under the title. Oh, yeah. So that's, but he's not making any money. So he decides to start writing these really super violent 
crime books under a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. And then somebody finds out that it's really him and exposes it. And it's, it was, this happened at the same time that Stephen King was, was revealed as being Richard Bachman. Right. And so this is kind of what it is. And so they kind of put an end to the, the pseudonym and then do like a kind of a ceremonial burial in the cemetery and take pictures of it for magazines and Mm -hmm. stuff. But unfortunately, somehow he has brought this guy to life who wants revenge now against everybody who exposed the secret. Um, that doesn't really do it justice. That's not the best synopsis for this movie. But if you've read the book, it, it is pretty faithful to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sheriff Pangborn, it takes place in Castle Rock. And Sheriff Pangborn yeah. in this one is played by Clancy Brown, which is always a plus in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, but it is, um, it's a good movie. I, I like it. I mean, it's got some questionable CGI at the end with the birds. But yes. other than that, a lot of bird stuff. Yeah. Other than that, I, I really like it. Well, the birds are, there's a, there's a lot of symbolism. Yeah. With the sparrows carrying souls away when people die, it's part of the legend. And you know, it's, you, you kind of have to, you have to see all of it to understand. It. I don't want to give it all away. Sure. Cause I want people to actually watch it. Cause it is a good movie. I was, okay. So did Timothy Hutton play both of those yes, characters? He the played whole time? George Stark and he played, because it was clear later on that it was no, him. it was when, him. when I first saw him, I was like, "That's just a different guy." Yeah, no, it, was, it's it looked him. very it's different. Him playing both parts. Okay, I really, I, I like this one yeah. a lot. I thought it was fun. Um, wouldn't have guessed George A. Romero was a part of it. Um, to Ooh. be honest, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what I expected. Well, but you know, he's done. He, when he did do other. St- I mean, people forget he did things other than zombie, zombie stuff. Movies. Yeah. Um, yep. Did him, that movie Monkey Shines in the eighties? I don't know if you've ever mm, seen no. it or not. Um, it's about. Well, it's it's Jason Beggy who is in um, Chicago PD. Was oh, plays okay. sergeant with the real rough voice. Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, and I who make doesn't fun of him have that voice? Really? Back in Monkey Shines. Anyway, he is uh, in an accident and becomes paralyzed, I think, from the waist down, I think. And um, uh, there's a monkey that's trained and, and like given, which is always bad when you give monkeys injections to make them smarter. It never works out. And No, it never works out. And But in this particular case, the monkey becomes like a homicidal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's... It's really super dated. I mean, it's yeah. really, really 80s. But other than that, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But that was a George A. Romero film, too. Okay. Um, and I, he, I know he's done some other stuff, too. But I was just looking for something that was completely the opposite. Sure, sure. Zombies. But yeah. There's another movie on our list with some monkey stuff later that we'll, we'll talk <laughs> right, about. Right, right. Um, but uh, so with did uh, did Stephen King do any of his more famous works under the pseudonym? Uh, no, not really. Um, the Bachman books were always done something he had done that were a little away from his, what he was normally doing Mm -hmm. because he had become in the seventies and eighties was a really hot horror author. And so he had these other books like, you know, rage and the long walk, the long walks about the only good one. Thinner was thinner's a good book. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but the long walk was probably the best of them. The running man, okay. you know, um, and they were completely outside of his genre at the time when people were, you know, really, especially the way the publishing industry was at the time, he was really nailed down to doing horror. Right. So he put these other books out and, but none of them are really, really that great. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan. And I, as you know, I'm a big Stephen King fan, but sure. not the Richard Bachman books. Well, they said that this was the last novel Stephen King wrote before becoming completely sober, but he did, Dreamcatcher all fucked up. I mean, that was in the hospital. Um, yeah, but that was different. Stuff, this right? was this was like drug addiction kind of stuff. Right. The, the, the stuff he wrote after the accident. I mean, Dreamcatcher is 
awful. Yes. I think that's a terrible I mean, he hates book. It. Uh, it's, I think it's really bad. Um, but and he, yeah, he doesn't like it either, but, um, he had several books that came out around this time that, you know, he was dealing with a lot of drug and alcohol issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this particular book, you see a lot of that in here, the dual uh, personality. Yeah. There's a lot of this, that, that element to the story. So. Right. Right. Okay. Um, it says that Hutton was difficult to work with and even quit a couple for, for a couple days. Um, when he kicked the whiskey bottle off the table with his foot and catches it with his hand to wash out his wound. It's like this one little specific uh-huh. thing, but he's got his foot up and just kicks this bottle. Yeah. Up. It was when bad. he was George Stark. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was badass. Um, <laughs> and then there were times like I just have it written down here. It's like I don't get it. Is he bleeding, Jack Daniels? Like he'd get cut and be like brown. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly sure. Also, there's a lot of nut shots in this and kicking each other in yeah, the balls back true. and forth. Because um, I said, and then somebody gets their everything cut off. Yes. And stuffed in their mouth. That yes. Was a critic, well, that, I think, that's yeah. the uh, the yeah. sn- the snitches. And oh stuff, right, right. You know right, how they right, do that. Right. And I just have notes. Says CGI has really come a long way. Hasn't yeah. It? No kidding. Uh, Although just, really, you think about it, this is about the same time as Jurassic Park. So sure. what's going well, on? Well, I mean, practical Why, effects. Well, versus- I know, but Jurassic Park was all this digital stuff. And then we'll get down a little bit further down the list here. And we run into some of the worst CGI ever yeah. in, any, in any decent film ever. Right. But anyway, let's, okay. let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. 1994, In the Mouth of Madness. This is another one I didn't get to check I out. I just rewatched this about two weeks ago. Yeah. And it still holds up. Oh, this is damn. still right. a good movie. Um, I rewatched Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, both John Carpenter films. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I don't know, was in the mood for some old Carpenter. Sure. And um, Prince of Darkness doesn't hold up nearly as well as I thought it would. Yeah. There's some really lame stuff in there that just doesn't go anywhere. A lot of people wandering. It's You have to see it. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of people wandering around in this old church doing nothing. And I don't know. I have a lot of issues with that movie. I mean, I like the concept of it. And there's some great elements to it. But overall, it's, it's a little rough. But in the Mouth of Madness, uh, Sam Neill plays a invest insurance investigator who is searching for this author that has vanished, Sutter Kane, this really famous Stephen King-like horror film author, mm-hmm. except that his books have started to have like an influence on people and making them crazy. Okay. And so he's trying to find this guy and he's heard all these stories about him disappearing and and stuff like that. And he goes to look for him and finds him in this town that is a town out of his books. Like, like for instance, let's say you went looking for Stephen King and you found he was living in Castle Rock or Derry, right? Right. Uh, Not real towns, but this turns out to be a real town. Mm -hmm. And he's got this woman who works for the publishing company with him and um, they find him, but he's, everything is, the whole world is changing. He's creating his own world within this. Ah. Uh, he's, you know, in, completely insane. It's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft influence yep. stuff. Sure. And uh, I, I really like this movie. I mean, it starts with in, a, in an insane asylum with Sam Neill is locked in a padded room because he believes the whole world is falling apart, which it is, right. but no one believes him at first. And then this story is told from the beginning. Uh, but I, I really like this movie. I mean, there is one shot in this movie that is 
Sam Neill running down this tunnel and he looks back over his shoulder and there are all these Lovecraft type monsters chasing him down and they look like they are made out of Play-Doh. Oh man, they're some really, really bad. And it's like, there's a reason that Lovecraft never described the monsters in detail. It was always, I took one look, I saw the tentacles and I went insane, you know? Okay. That's why, because when you try to put them on film, it doesn't work and they're really, really bad. But then you can say, Oh, well maybe it's just the product of his insanity as he's being driven mad by. Uh I'm just trying to make excuses for the filmmakers here because (laughs) it's so awful. But other than that, though, this is a good movie. And if you haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. it's one of those movies worth watching in the dark some night with the lights off. And it's a a creepy movie. It's not very long, but it's very creepy. It said the effect of Julie Carmen spinning her head around was done by having a contortionist stunt double wear an upside down prosthetic Mm -hmm. mask of Carmen's face. Since the stunt double couldn't see, the filmmaker had to guide her on where to go by sound uh, a bunch of hp lovecraft references and then it says the car keys that julie carmen swallows um were made out of pasta which <laughs> oh, I, yeah which that's funny. none of that means anything to me but i thought <laughs> yeah. it was funny well, it will be when you see it you're gonna go holy crap that's pasta i'm cu- yeah. i'm curious um are there any movies that you don't watch because you're afraid they won't hold up um no movies or not i'll like, usually go ahead and watch them anyway yeah. and then you know be, we'll disappointed, be disappointed or not yeah okay. I, I mean i've had that happen to me with different so i'll tell you a, a great example sure. of that is i always remembered the movie ghost story being really scary because mm-hmm. the book is really well done and i remembered the, the movie being great and then i rewatched it and it's really painfully slow it's like watching paint dry and it's not scary at all and it's just uh, so dated that it hurts yeah it just hurts so yeah that's a, that's one example of a horror film that i remembered from being a kid and there are others um yeah Burnt offerings being another one okay i think i've talked about that you have before with oliver reed and so scary when i was 12 right right not so, not so much it's anymore bad. Um, all right, moving on. This is 1995. This is Haunted. This is the only other one on the list I didn't get to check out. And I feel like with a name like that, I should have already seen it by now. Yeah, it's well, you know, here's the thing. It's it fits on a list of horror films for the 90s, but I never put it on any of my favorite ghost movie lists. Mm-hmm. This movie's just so weird. Yeah, it becomes so weird. Um, Aiden Quinn. Um, is in it. He plays a very skeptical paranormal investigator in the early 1900s. And he is asked to come to a country home by this family because their nanny believes that she's seen ghosts. And they want him to come and convince her that she's not seen ghosts. Um, It's kind of like, well, it reminds you of The Awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Which is a much better film with much better atmosphere. Uh, Everything about it is just better. I mean, Aidan Quinn is great. and The the cast is great. Kate Beckinsale's Mm -hmm. in it. Anthony Andrews, Sir John Gilgood. There's all these great people in the movie, but it just, it takes a twist toward the end that is, becomes too, I don't too weak. It's just weak. It's got a weak ending. But Mm. other than that, it's got some good stuff to it. One of the things I like about it is it really goes more than, even more than the awakening does goes into all the detail of how guys used to do like, you know, ghost investigations with oh. all the equipment and okay. all that stuff. That's kind of neat. That's the part of it that I really liked. But it still makes the list because it's, it is worth watching once. Mm-hmm. And plus it's the 90s, so we do what we can. Uh, right, but right. I do like the movie. I, I, I put it on here because I like it. Same way with the next one. 
Sure. Another so, Clive Barker. Oh, no, you've probably got some fun facts, don't you? I'm the sorry. only thing I have oh. is a body that was used for Kate Beckinsale yeah, in the nude scenes. in the nude scenes. I know, <laughs> um, right? Well, so. I do have to ask real quick, though. If you had a choice, um, if I could only watch Dust Devil, In the Mouth of Madness, or Haunted, which one would you recommend? Uh, in the Mouth of Madness. Okay, all right. Yeah. Those are the only three I haven't seen on here. Yeah. Um, but well, yes. you should watch them all. I know, I know. Watch that one for sure. Um so we have a like a screening log that we go through for Cinema Blend for 2019. I've watched 81 new releases this oh, yeah, year, yeah. and so anytime I have to watch a movie that doesn't count towards that, oh, I'm like, I see. Son of yeah, a bitch. you gotta have to narrow it down. Um, gotcha. But but I watched a lot of these and I really enjoyed them. And I got to rewatch a couple. There were just some that either I'd have to download illegally or just couldn't get right, to. And I was right. like, eh. Um, but yeah, this next one. So I'm able to now identify a Clive Barker movie <laughs> know, pretty right, quickly. Right. Um, this is 1995 Lord of Illusions. I actually watched this this morning. Oh, did you really? Um, this is a batshit movie. It is. Too. This is insane. But yes. it's got, you know, as a whole, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the film works. But I would agree with that. It does have these pieces mm-hmm. in it that really come together into something very creepy and weird. Um, I thought all this, I thought the thing with, with Scott Bakula as this like paranormal detective, Constantine type character, yeah. all of that worked for me. I thought all of that was cool. I thought he did a great job in this movie. Um, I think there's a lot of cool things. There's a, some good ideas about, you know, this is it. He's like a private detective and an exorcist who's hired to protect former members of a cult from the resurrection of their leader who was killed years before by that one squirrely dude that's Nick always a squirrely guy. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor, yeah. He was in The Mummy. He's like a famous magician. And, yes. And so they're trying to prevent him coming back to life, this cult leader who was a... I, I'm not sure. I guess the best way, kind of like a Heaven's Gate type cult leader, maybe. Sure, I but don't they, know, they even but. say at the end, he's like, "What are you?" And he's like, "I'm." He's like, "I'm a God, some a man that wanted to be a god and then changed his mind or something." Yeah, he says it's something, something crazy. He explains kind of. Yeah, he's a supernatural being. It's somehow. got it's got all the the Clive Barker stuff in it that yes. that you can automatically see it being a Clive Barker movie. It's like coming like, like a Hellraiser. The kind worst of thing. elements of Hellraiser. Yeah. in parts of it. It's I don't know. Like I said, it's so weird that I don't think the movie as a whole works, but it's fun. Pieces. It's worth watching though. Sure. It is worth watching. The guy, I can't remember his actor's name, but it's the guy, if you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle, it's the guy that plays like the drill sergeant. I know. I can't remember his name either. He's been in a million things. Yeah. And that was the thing I noticed going through this list too, is a shit ton of people Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, I know who these people are. Over and over and over again. And some of them are Aryan, like Famke Jansen is in like half the movies on the list. Yes. Including that. The hardest thing (laughs) for me to believe in this movie is that Kevin O'Connor could land Famke Jansen. Exactly. Because she's so, she's beautiful and he is such a squirrel. God, he's he such a always loser. is in everything he's in. Yes. I mean, there for a while, I think the, every movie I saw him in or every TV show, even he was in, he was a mental patient in oh, all yeah. of them. And I thought, <laughs> you know, that fits, you know, he just, he strikes you as he's that. He's the squirrely little friend in the mummy that plays Benny. And I think he does a great job doing that, but like, he's not the guy, he's not no. a cool guy that, that lands that the hot need, chick. Yeah. Well, you're not the David Copperfield magician. Right. Either. Right. And we're supposed to believe he's like this smooth, you know, yeah. you know, famous magician 
who, you know, accidentally dies during one of his shows, but yeah. that really doesn't because he's just trying to hide out. I mean, you can't fake your death when you're hiding out from a supernatural being. I don't sure. think it works that way. And like his so, wife wasn't really that upset when he died. So yeah. I was like, okay, he's the Lord of illusions, right? right or one of them. Right. Like this yeah. has got to be, I don't know. I still like the movie. It's worth watching. If you get a yeah. chance to watch it, sit down, watch it, give yourself an hour and 40 minutes, watch the movie and you'll see what we mean about how it has stuff worth watching. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, another podcast I listened to called Doughboys and they were talking about Scott Bakula and then they made a joke called Bram Stoker's Bakula <laughs> and I just thought it was funny that these were both on the list. Yeah. Um, but it says, when the casting for the film began, Clive Barker picked Famke Jansen's uh, photo out of hundreds of initial submissions and declared, this is Dorothea. She remained the only choice, although the filmmakers auditioned dozens of actresses for the part, which I mean, sure, she's beautiful. I mean, I'm sure that that's probably what he was going for, but she did a great job and she's in she's in a lot of other things too um, when I really started to think about it. The scene with uh, Kevin O'Connor biting his finger and pouring blood on the screws um, that was cut from the original one in order to obtain an R rating from the MPAA. Hmm. Um, which I get Still what that 90s, was. I that guess, was too so much, I guess. I yeah. Guess. Scene was later reused um, for the unrated director's cut, which yeah. I guess is what I watched because yeah, uh, initially he, he had dropped some blood and these screws just start tightening. And then when he pulls the screws out, he doesn't unscrew them. He just pulls, <laughs> pulls them, them out, right out as yeah. if they're nails. And I was like, uh, <laughs> Okay. Anyway, moving on um, to 1995, The Prophecy. I love this movie. So, and this is we've what quoted a couple times. We have, and it's it's one of those movies that has it's like a it has like a dull place in the middle. Okay, this movie does. I think yeah, it's like yeah. a really great beginning and a cool ending, and in the middle it drags a little bit. But the the concept of the movie is so good, and everybody that's in it is good. Right, uh, Elias Codius with hair. Yes. For starters. Right. Playing a, who, if you watch, here's another Chicago PD reference. He was played out, he played a detective in there for the first several seasons of the show. And he's been in so many things. If you've seen Fallen with, um, we, we talked about Fallen with Denzel Washington about the demon. Oh, yeah. He plays the serial killer at the beginning that kind of sets everything in motion with the demon. But, and he's a good guy in this. He, He was a priest, he becomes a cop, and then he ends up in the middle of a war between angels. Essentially, um, there's a war going on in heaven uh, with um, Gabriel and a few of the others are revolting now against the other angels. And Eric Stoltz is in a very small part in the beginning of this. He plays that first angel that he's the body they find that's all burned Oh, up. yeah. And so, but Christopher Walken um, is... Like super sinister in this, as, the, as an angel. And that's where you get all those. And that's where I always laugh and I go, oh my God, you're right. When he starts talking about how, you know, that angels who are who God sends to do his dirty work. Right. You know, you and it's, an but angel, it's absolutely right. right. But you just don't think about it yep. until that kind of brings it home. But I think when they at the ending, when they make the deal with Lucifer, who mm-hmm. shows up and it's Vigo Mortensen, who I think that was one of his very first roles. Isn't he and played the devil's then? I don't know. He's got a beard and stuff and he's He's not even at the time he was just a guy. And then sure. I, he becomes recognizable because he went on to become famous. Thanks to Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings yeah. That. But, um, but he's that, I really like that part when he shows up on the Indian reservation. At mm. the end. Yep. No, it's uh, great. It's a good movie. I, I like another Virginia Madsen role. 
Virginia oh, Madsen yeah, yeah. was like Clive Barker in the 90s. She's in everything. She right. just shows up over and over and over again. But uh, anyway, this is a this is a fun movie. That the, Skip the sequels. Don't even bother with any of the sequels. Christopher They're Walken stayed for the sequels, terrible. too. They're terrible. I um, haven't seen any the of the sequels, first one, The first one is a gem. It's one of those small little movies, those unsung little films that just sort of slide in and become a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. But the, the sequels are all bad so mm. don't even don't even touch them after watching this one it reminded me or not reminded me but I was like oh okay this is probably how the movie Legion got made mm-hmm. you know from being inspired from sure. that because I'd never seen until I think that movie inspired a lot of stuff yeah I hadn't seen that take on Angels before but uh, th- there's a, a metal band actually called I think it's Gwen Stacy that uses that whole Angel you oh, know, yeah. thing in the yeah. beginning of one of their songs and that was yeah. the first time I heard it and I was like that's fucking awesome <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense um, it says Viggo Mortensen claims that prior to shooting their scene together Christopher Walken ate several whole garlic cloves <laughs> which just sounds like Correct. something, yeah. Like yeah. he would something yeah. so random enough that he yeah. would do. That's the only fun fact I have for this. And that Christopher Walken was in the first three films. Um, uh, okay, moving on. 1996, from Dust Till Dawn. Rewatched this not too long ago, too. Yeah. And, so uh, Tarantino. This is a fun movie. It is. Hey, so it's a. It's a Quentin Tarantino was in it, but it's a Robert Rodriguez. Right. Movie. Right. Right. So, Sorry, I was Tarantino and Jen yeah, George Clooney, he, but he's yeah. in it and. See, and this is what makes this a horror. I mean, even the first half of this. I mean, this is a crime film that becomes a horror film halfway through. Yeah. But even the initial stuff, his character is insane. Which one, Tarantino? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you see him hallucinating with the young girl. That's a horror film. In itself. Yep. Um, and somehow we end up with George Clooney becoming like the hero of the film. Yeah. Even though he's Didn't really know, like see this that. ruthless killer, uh, but he becomes the hero by the end. But uh, Harvey Keitel, Juliet Lewis, this is this is a fun movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. It, it really is fun. I mean, it's not for the easily offended. No. Like when they get to the uh, the bar. Oh, uh, there's a lot of homophobic is out there and, screaming uh, about, you know. I'm trying All to remember. All the different kinds of things they oh, have right, inside. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Not for the not for the easily offended. It is yeah, definitely a different Robert time. Rodriguez film, and it is a different time. So Tarantino wrote this, though, right? I think he wrote the script. <sighs> did he? I now see. I don't know. Because I they know. did it together. That I'm not positive on. I'll have to double check. It's in my fun. I mean, they're, facts they're here. buddies, and they you know do a lot of stuff together. So. Right. Um, I will get back to you all on that. Yeah, um, that's fine. But I. It just, it was seemed like an odd choice for George Clooney. Yes. I love seeing him in a bad guy kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's the, he's the sympathetic, he's the anti-hero. He is the Snake of From Dust Till Dawn. He's not necessarily a good guy. Really. He's more of a bad guy. He's just living out the situation. Elements of good in him. Right. I guess. Um, Yeah. I, I just think this is a great, I just think it's a fun movie. I mean, it's definitely the 90s. Some of the scary, like, it's probably one of the first scary things I remember seeing is when they all, like, their faces change, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. that was terrifying. Uh, probably one of the first times I fell in love with Selma Hayek. Oh, yeah, me too. Damn. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and Selma Hayek apparently had a real fear of snakes and always oh refused God, to be really? near them. Which she managed to do that. I don't understand so, that. Yeah. Um, actually, when she read the script, she knew her phobia would prevent her from taking the part. Robert Rodriguez uh, conned her into thinking that 
uh, Madonna was ready to nab the part instead of her. So she said she spent two months with therapists. I don't know. I don't believe it. But uh, I don't have a huge fear of snakes. I've had snakes on me before, but hell no. No, Oh, yeah, you do not like snakes. Okay. I really don't like snakes. Um, So before George Clooney was cast, uh, there were a bunch of people ready to to take, they were offered that role. Can you guess any of them? No. Who? Antonio Banderas. Well, now see, I really like uh, Desperado. Yes. And so that that one makes sense to me. This one doesn't. Steve Buscemi. Does not make any sense. Now, he's great in Desperado. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, He's great in that. See, I rewatched that recently, too. um, Michael Madsen, Tim Roth. I could see see either one of those guys doing it. Travolta. No. And then it says Christopher Walken. Okay, Um, no way. Which, no. You know what? All these people are just coming off Pulp Fiction. They're yes. all in Pulp Fiction. Yep. And it says all of them. Or, or Reservoir Dogs with Michael Madsen. Some, uh, yeah, it was Tarantino just going through his contact yeah, list. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. So it says all of them passed because of scheduling conflicts. But, but Clooney. Yeah, he was perfect. It's just bizarre, but he's great in it. Yeah, but he, he was perfect for it. Um, I wonder if that role was great for him or if he made that role great. I don't know. Uh, I think he probably made it great because it's his laid back attitude that makes it work. Right. That's what makes that character of Seth so cool. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you I'm know? so handsome. It'll work yeah. out. Yeah. Um, okay. So these next two movies, I actually get them all. I always got them mixed up. Well, understandably, they come out at the same time. Yeah. So, so okay, we'll start. They're uh, both great. And if you see the first one, mm-hmm. go ahead. So this is 1997. This is Mimic. Yes. And you got to see the uncut, the director's cut because it's Guillermo del Toro. I don't know which one I saw. Um, there is, well, there's two versions available, but if you find the director's cut, um, it's better. It's got more stuff in it. And for once, not for once, but a lot of times that doesn't work. In this case, it does. Okay. Um, and it's, it was one of, I believe this is Guillermo del Toro's first American film. Mm, that I didn't see, but totally, totally could um, be. I'm pretty sure it was. And is the, it? the idea oh, yeah. behind it is that their cockroaches are killing, carrying a disease that are killing kids. Right. It's a weird concept for it a film. It is. And Mira Sorvino plays this scientist who, which that seemed like a reach, but she actually does a good job. Oh, yeah, she's it. great. Um, and she comes up with a way to stop it. She he creates this mutant breed of cockroaches that secretes a fluid that kills all of the other roaches. And then they're supposed to, the mutant breed is supposed to die out. Right. And instead it, life finds a way, it finds a way <laughs> yeah. a la Jurassic park and continues to survive. And then it starts to evolve into something else and wear trench coats. And well, <laughs> it, it, but it's not, well, yes, it is wearing a trench coat because it, it ends up looking like a person because it can mimic whatever it wants. So it, can transform itself, I guess, the best way to yeah. describe it, so that it looks like a person. Right. But it's really a giant roach. Yeah. And I, which sounds really dumb. I mean, it sounds like good. one of those 50s monster movies. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's a really great movie. It is. I mean, it, it's really good. And um, it's totally believable. And when you see the creature, you know, you know, looking back now, you look at that creature and you go, Guillermo del Toro. Sure. But at the time, it, he was new. He was new, right. you know, films. So it was just a, a kind of a hint of what was to come from him, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah, I, I love this movie. I saw it in the theater. I probably, 
I mean, I own it. I probably watched it 10 or 12 times. Yeah. I really like it. It's really good. The Brockuses uh, had Charlie Brockus, a guy who does the theme song for us. He, they had this movie and, and or the next one. I can't remember. <laughs> right. And I was always afraid to watch it when I was over at their house back in the day. But I remember both of these when they first came out. Um, but for Mimic, uh, it says Del Toro disowned the film after constant clashes with Harvey yeah, Weinstein. That's why there's a, and that's Bob why there's a director's cut. Yeah, so I'm, I need to see which one um, I saw. But... Uh, yeah. Weinstein. He went back. Way. Yeah. He went back after all of that when he now had more control and mm-hmm. a bigger power in Hollywood and was able to go back, retrieve what he wanted it to be from the first place sure. and put it back out. Interesting. It, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Either one's good, but the second one's much better. The director's cut. Got it. So this next one that I mentioned, I keep getting confused with is 1997. Oh, Still, it's the okay. relic. Understandably. Yes. You know. um, which one do you like better? The relic or mimic? Uh, I think mimic is a better film. Relic is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's, well, mostly because it's filmed at the Field Museum in Chicago, even though with a book, it's actually a book, uh, and it takes place at the Natural History Museum in New York. Right. So this takes place, they filmed it in Chicago. I was better, I guess, better. Oh, I can can tell you why. 90s. Oh, okay, good, (laughs) good. So, but in this one, this researcher sends these crates to the Field Museum or to the Natural History Museum yeah. uh, from South America. He and, tried to stop it. Right. There's all <laughs> these leaves inside and they don't understand why he shipped a box of leaves. Well, it turns out that there is uh, something on the leaves, like a, a living type of fungus mm-hmm. on the leaves. And then it grows into it. Well, it takes over the guy, right? Yeah. And he becomes the monster. It think, turns him into something else. I think that's how it works. Yeah, it was yeah, well, well, what you really need to know is that there's a monster in the Field Museum killing people. Yes. And they're getting ready to have a big gala, like, gala <laughs> thing for charity and the mayor's going to be there and stuff. And all, part all of it's the locked while, down. Yeah, all the while there is a monster killing people and um, let's, Mar- let's see, Margot Green is played by Penelope Ann Miller when she was at her absolute cutest. She was knocked oh, out yeah. back then. And I mean, she's still pretty, but she was really pretty at this in the late nineties. And, uh, Lieutenant Augusta, who is it? Tom, Tom Sizemore. Is it Tom Sizemore? See Tom Sizemore and Michael Madsen, same guy. Oh, I yeah. can't ever tell them <laughs> apart. So if you ask me which one's in heat, I don't know. You know, it's one of I them. I know Tom Sizemore's um, in Saving Private Ryan. That's how is I that remember. Tom Sizemore? That's so how I Michael remember Madsen's it. in Reservoir Dogs, right? Yes. Okay, so Tom he, yes. Sizemore is in... What uh, else? There's something else that's a big movie. Who's in, Which one's in Heat? Is that Tom Sizemore? Yeah, I think it is Tom Sizemore. And, well, is that De Niro Sizemore? and the Pacino. Um, yeah, see I, what I'm, but you see my point? Yeah. I, I, I always mix those two guys up. I, I so. don't, but now I probably fucking will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so you mentioned the, uh, so, so Paramount Pictures offered uh, the museum uh, they offered the museum a seven-figure sum of money to film there for it, the one in New York. Um, but the administration was worried that the monster movie would scare kids away from the museum. Brother. The producers were faced with the problem as the only museums in Chicago and Washington, D.C. resembled the one in New York. So the Field Museum and National History, Natural History in Chicago loved the premise and allowed them to shoot there. Um, and so that's why they ended up doing it in Chicago. And apparently... Um, so he, Tom Sizemore was not the director's first choice to play the lead <laughs> role. Can you, can you no, guess who was? was? It's random. Well, it's not random. Harrison Ford. 
Oh, well, that was never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, he's, he was probably too big for yeah, that, I'm that guessing. that wasn't going to happen. Um, I thought Tom Sizemore did a good oh, job of so being too. a I mean, miserable I, guy. I, like, I think he's a great character actor. You yeah. know, I just can't tell him apart from Michael <laughs> sure. Madsen. So, Lost know. his dog, he's yeah. pissed off yeah. guy. Yeah, I just, I, um, yeah, I mean, I just like this movie. It's just kind of one of those fun brainless kind of movies that you can just sit and watch brainless, and have a good time rip people's it. brains yeah out. well yeah but it, you could just watch it and have a good time with it and yeah. it's not you don't have to take it seriously and because when it gets to the end and you see the monster it's it that's what I was referring to when I was talking about the worst CGI it's, I've ever seen they should have kept the Jaws thing up where you yeah, only see they, certain yeah, parts yeah they should have really. just had it be in the shadows or something because once it's it just not even the CGI is not even the same color as the rest of the movie. It's just bad. It was bad. It's just bad. It's bad. Um, and you just, I don't know. I felt like I didn't need to see it. Well, I, think I, I got the idea. I didn't They were at the it. point where I think CGI was like, they're, it was cool enough. They're like, we have to well, try this everybody new thing was doing instead it. Yeah. of, yeah, but yeah. look how far it's come. But yeah. And yeah, but even so, sometimes I see stuff that's still, I know, fake, but this looked really bad, yeah. but it's still a good movie. It's, it's great. still worth watching. It's a lot of fun. Um, this next one, uh, one of my favorites and I actually, I wouldn't, well, have, before we go any further, Oh, yeah. Well, I have to make one note Please, here yeah. and say that everything left on our list came out in 1999, which you turned out 98. to be, yeah, completely so nothing in 98, there was nothing right. but garbage. Right. Um, 1999 turned out to be a great year for nineties horror films. Yeah. I mean, considering what we've been working sure. with, this is the Relatively best, speaking. this is the best. There's several here on the list. The last ones are all from 99. And we've so. been doing this 31 nights of horror thing with, with cinema blend and putting yeah, out a new yeah, horror yeah. movie every day. And yeah. we use this movie and put it out there. And we're like, we think this is a horror movie. It what is. do you think? And everybody like agreed, it is. which well, it is never happened. Nobody on no. the internet ever agrees. I know. Um, right. But this is 1999. This is deep blue sea. Yeah. I love this. Great I just film. watched it not very long ago. Which yeah. I was, I putting this list together. And I'm thinking, you know, I've watched some of this stuff in a while. I'm going to watch it again. I watched the Samuel L. Jackson scene the other I day. I watched the Meg. And yeah. then I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to watch deep blue sea again. Yeah. And, um, I like them both, but in different ways. Sure. This is, this is a horror film. The Meg is not. This is a horror film. I can see. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know why I agree with that, but I agree with that. I think the reason why I I think so is because this is so contained. Everything in this movie takes place at this one spot. They're trapped there and it makes it much more suspenseful than... Oh my God, the giant shark is headed toward Hong Kong. You know what I mean? I mean, right, that, right. that becomes just like a big monster movie kind of thing where this is, is a horror film because everyone is trapped here. And it's you know, Thomas Jane, who is always reliable. Amazing. Great, great. Kills it. You know, he is a great uh, character actor. He's great in this. Samuel L. Jackson is in it halfway through. Sure. Um, LL cool, cool J is awesome in this. A He's gem. so funny. A gem. This. You know, and this is just one of those movies that works. It's about a businessman who sinks like $200 million into this project to fight Alzheimer's, right? Correct. Yes. They're working on sharks, but it turns out this biologist has genetically enlarged the shark's brains so that she can create more enzymes for the, for the Alzheimer's. It checks pain. out. Again, the always a bad out. idea. Yeah. And, uh, but the sharks become super smart and devise a way to escape from this base where this or this underwater base that they're being held in. Right. And they start wreaking havoc as the there's an explosion, right? Is that what starts sinking things? There is an explosion. I the water's filling up the base. I don't know. It's the sharks start fucking stuff up. Yeah, it's, it's a it's great awesome. movie, and it's way it's in. You are trapped and contained. I I just the other night I rewatched. Um, 
movie called Below. I don't know if we talked about this in the past. It's a ghost. It's about a haunted submarine. I think we talked about oh, it. We hmm. were talking about ghost movies or something. Maybe, I don't, I don't we, remember. Yeah. We, we talked. I think it was in my uh, not quite the top okay. 10 list. Sure. But that movie is like this so effective because everything that happens happens inside this cramped submarine yeah, which yeah. makes it scarier and that's what makes this work interesting is because there's trapped in this place and right, they've got contained. to figure out a way to get out plus keep the sharks from getting loose mm-hmm. out into the wider world like the thing you know when kurt russell oh, right david or keith david are trying to stop it contain from going it any yeah further, you know uh same kind of thing yeah uh, did when you we do the 80s i can't wait to and we, I'm going to be forward. so miserable. I hated the, I was only alive for four months. I know, but the there's, some, I hated it. there's some great shit. Well, yeah. some really lousy stuff, but there's some really great well, movies. I'm, I'm excited to expand we're, my. We're going to keep going. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm excited go to way. expand well, my knowledge reason, base. I mean, you know, I'm not, we're not doing the 1920s. Sorry, folks. Shit. Well, no, M was a yeah. classic <laughs> well, film I mean, noir. Comes right. out of the 20s, but let's draw the line somewhere. Um, did you ever read, I'm, I'm a huge Michael Crichton fan. Did you ever read any of his stuff? Yeah, oh, um, yeah. Did you I read all of Your Sphere? Because yeah. that was kind of the same sort of thing yeah, with the trap. movie's awful. The book's amazing. The yeah, movie the, sucks. I, know the, I love the book, but that movie was That's terrible. probably my f- yeah. one of my like top three books of his, yeah, and the movie's really garbage. Yeah. Um, but it kind of reminds me of the same yes. kind of thing, the, the trapness. Um, yeah. So some fun things. For one scene, Thomas Jane had to swim alongside a real live shark. He was only allowed to do this shoot uh, once, and that was once he had completed all of his other scenes, uh, which makes sense. In case it ate him. A hundred percent. Yeah, he couldn't. hundred percent. And I also don't understand why he was needed to do that. I mean, if anyone had to swim next to a live shark, get his stunt double to do it. Right, there's someone who's trained to do that. Right. I don't know. I like Thomas Jane. He probably went around. Love him. We were were talking about The Mist the other day. Oh, yeah. Love love that movie. So good. Um, Even Stephen King's like, that's how I should have ended uh-huh, the book. Exactly. We we talked about that one. Did, that was, I think that one was in my. I top think we 10, did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the two thousands. They said the license plate pulled from the shark's teeth is the same one found in the tiger shark in Jaws, which really? I thought was interesting. Cool. Which I would have never noticed. But did um, you see that the number one phrase from a movie has been voted that uh, we're, we're going to need a bigger boat? I can yeah. see that. And then, like, I don't remember what there were a couple of others. One of them was. Uh, you know, uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah. Godfather. Here's there was looking at you, else. kid. Yeah, I don't know, because he never actually says that in the movie. That's a, oh. that didn't actually happen. Um, what's the other Casablanca thing I'm thinking of? And, um, mm-hmm. Probably the one about the, of all the gin yeah, joints yeah, in all the world. Yeah, yeah, all gin joints. But Say hello yeah, to my little uh, friend. Well, you know, that, I think that was on the list. Yeah. But it, anyway, I'm, I'm wandered <laughs> off there on Jaws. So, because that'll be in our 70s. List. Oh, totally. So, yeah. Oh, we're, I'm doing a video, um, the scariest horror movies of all time. I think I told you about this and I had to, I had to narrow the list down oh, and yeah, it's really, right. it's, it's, I'm going to get roasted alive in the yeah, comment I section, but I see it, but I put Jaws list. on there because I was yeah. like, I was like, this is I mean, one of the that scariest changed, movies. I mean, it changed film history. That's what sure. created the summer blockbuster that yeah. we now have. And I also put another movie on that list that's on our list, but we'll get to it all in right. a little bit. Um, can, uh, like you said, we're stuck in 99 for the yep. rest of this. So, yep. uh, Sleepy Hollow, yep. which Again, this is great, great film. Um, super old Tim story. Burton, Tim Burton and jo- um, Tim, Tim Burton Johnny Depp combo is right. always and, great. And this was the first one. Oh, no, that's probably after Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. I think it? Edward Scissorhands is like ninety five or okay. something. Yeah, so, yeah. so this was, but it fairly early on. But it, um, this movie, I always think of this as like an homage to like the old Hammer horror films from the sixties. You know, the ones the with Hammer Christopher Lee films? and Peter Cushing, the British 
horror films because half the casts of all those old British Hammer movies are in this. Christopher Lee's in it. What's the? Uh, well, I'm not familiar of, with the concept. Hammer Studios was a. You're gonna have to do some studying before we get to the. 60s. I, know, um, I know. Hammer Studios is was a. a production company out of England. Mm-hmm. Now they've brought it back. We actually talked about this a little bit. They brought it back and done a few films recently in recent times. One of them is let me in that the vampire film. that we Oh, like so yeah. Maybe that was Orn. It might've been. It, no, I know the movie, this. but you and I didn't I talk th- about it, this. It must've been Orn and I were talking about it, but um, we were, you know, Hammer was, they were the ones who remade all of the old Universal movies. Oh, the Universal Monsters? New. Right. They did uh, Horror of Dracula with Christopher Lee, uh-huh. uh, and that was in 58. And But they did everything in Technicolor and lots of blood. And there were lots of blood and boobs. That was the big thing for Hammer films. I like it. Uh, they did Curse of Frankenstein. Christopher Lee played the monster. Peter Cushing played who was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars. Does that help? Peter Cushing, skinny faced guy. Always played Dr. Van Helsing. He also played Baron Frankenstein in all of Wait, the Frankenstein movies. Who was movies. he in Star Wars? Grand Moff Tarkin in the first one. He was the guy in, in New charge Hope? of the Death Star. In the first Star Wars, which is number four or whatever. Right, yeah, New Hope. Okay, yeah. so that's okay, interesting. That, anyway, that, that does really. You find a picture of him, you'll sure. know who I'm right, talking right, about. Right, right. But anyway, Hammer Studios did all this stuff in England and they were hugely successful. And all of their movies ended up being brought over here. And it was a new concept. It really revived monsters in the 50s because mm-hmm. in America, by the 50s, we were doing the blob and, you know, giant radiation monster movies right. and things. And it was a. Things were. were We'd gotten away from anything supernatural by this time. And Hammer brought all that back in the late 50s and into the 60s. And they made uh, a lot of really great films. Once we get into that in a couple of years or whenever, sure, yeah. I'll give you a list of like must-see Hammer films. Yeah. And they did a lot of great stuff. And I've always been a huge fan. They eventually died out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. They had some really rough times in the early 70s. And their last film, I believe, was To the Devil, a Daughter in 76, mm. cashing in on the whole Exorcist theme. But right. it was an old Dennis Wheatley book. But anyway, they died out. They bounced back a few years ago with a few films. Um, they may still be around, but if they are, they haven't put anything out in a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I've always thought Let Me In is better than Let the Right One In. I think it's a better okay, film. That's what I was thinking. Okay, I, the right one better, in. I think the remake was better, in my personal opinion. Uh, but anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll school you on Hammer stuff. Sure. I got all kinds of material in books. Sounds like you do. I was a huge, and I always have been a huge fan of those, those Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing movies uh, from the 60s and 70s. And you'll, you'll see what I mean. But that's kind of what this movie is. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can get introduced to the Hammer stuff, mm-hmm. you will see that about this movie. You'll, you'll see what he was trying to do. This is kind of like Tim Burton's love letter to the old Hammer film. Sure. Uh, because it's very gothic. They did a lot of really gothic-y kind of stuff mm-hmm. and brought all that back. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. And this is a good movie. It's a fun, oh, yeah. it's a twist on an old story that we all know. That, you right. Know, Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. And this is just kind of an updating and a, and a twist on it. I, I always sure. liked this movie. It's a lot of fun something i wanted to ask you about this is um it's, it's it's like a hot topic or hot button issue i guess but thinking about johnny depp and all the shit that's happened with him it got me thinking about um for instance talking about like jeepers creepers or something do you have any thoughts or issues about separating the art from the artist kind of um, stuff 
with him in particular. Well, just with I anybody, like but sure, like use Jeepers Creepers as a I love Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. I love um, From Hell. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um, but do I go out and watch a lot of his new stuff? Not really. Is that um, because he's turned of me off? I, you know, or the acting or the personal life? Or? You know, in some way, a lot of people I can separate it, and most of the time I do with him. Just depends on the movie, I guess. Mm. But like Tom Cruise. I will still go watch Tom Cruise movies, but I don't want to hear anything about his personal life. Sure. Nothing. Okay. I don't want to see him off screen. I don't want to see him being Tom Cruise. <laughs> I want him to be Ethan, Ethan Hunt yes, or, yes. you know, Maverick or whatever, but I don't want to see Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I just don't because that, that's a big turnoff to me because he acts like a complete nutcase. Right. Um, so, but yeah, we talked about Jeepers Creepers. You and I talked about that. Right. And because we you picked know, that for our first. Right. And the first. <sighs> Yeah. one is such a great film, but now it's got the stink to it, you know, because this director has been, I don't know if he's accused or convicted. I'm not sure. I don't know was, where it landed, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, pedophilia stuff going mm-hmm. on. And it's like, man, you know, I you had really to ruin a good thing. that first movie, but yeah, that really turns me off. Yeah. You know, so it is, it's become in this day and age, it's become really difficult to do. Sure. Um, I mean, you could go, you can really go far with that and say, oh, you know, God, how do you watch Rosemary's Baby? Look at Roman Polanski got accused of right. you know, this, you know, raping a 13 year old girl or whatever. But then that's a classic and you can't not watch it because mm-hmm. it's a great film. So I find that the newer the scandal is mm-hmm. and the more access we have to, of course, the bane of all existence, social media. Yes. Um, that's downfall. where you get into more problems. Today. Well, I think even something I just said really resonates with me now is that we just talked about, we don't know what ended up happening with the no, Jeepers we, Creepers right, stuff. Exactly. We heard it. Right. And, and now I immediately am talking about it, but yeah. I actually don't, maybe it was all cleared up for all I fucking yeah, know. I'm I don't sure. think it was. I, I don't but, think it was but, either. Yeah, but I see your point. You get though. what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's do, like, cause once it's out there, it's point. like a trial by social yeah. media yeah, or whatever. Exactly. That's um, exactly what But yeah, it's like, I should, if if I get enraged by something or upset about something, I should follow up to see. I guess how right. does it end? Know. How, you does know? It, how does this end? But then, you, but then you find yourself in a position of defending a child molester to a lot of people nope. who maybe maybe nope. it did get all cleared up. Maybe the whole thing turned out to be nothing. But right. that's not the story sure. because that's not the interesting story. Sure. You know, it's like the next day when they put the retraction in the paper. Well, it, the damage no is reads, already done. Yeah, nobody reads so, that. So, you know, and, and it's the same thing. And so there's always going to be somebody who sees that, as, you know, in the wrong light. It's right. Just never, there's no way to win with that. Yeah. So. And I, Troy, I can't, I don't want any more negative reviews <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. or on the, the, the phone lines are already lighting up from what yeah. we're Talking about right, right, uh-huh. uh, all right. Moving on, continue with 1999 Stigmata. Yes, I fucking and love this movie. I do too. I it's do too. Great. I rewatched it not recently, probably maybe I don't know six or eight months ago. I think it popped up on Amazon Prime or something. I thought, no, I haven't seen that in a while. I'm going to watch that, and I still like it. That's still this is still a really good movie. It really works. Gabriel Byrne plays an investigator from the Vatican who is going around investigating miracles and you know things that are supposed to happen, and. Uh, while he's doing this, this young woman in the United States starts showing the signs of stigmata, which are the wounds of Christ. And what that's usually something, according to not only, you know, and here we go back into the devil came to St. Louis stuff. But yeah. according to Catholic tradition, that is something that people who are saints or people who are really holy will, you know, manifest the signs of, of Jesus on the cross, sure. bleed from their hands, bleed from their side. You know, um, the crown of thorns will open up on. Yeah, sounds like a great things. time. Right. But this woman is not 
even religious. Mm -hmm. I mean, is not a Catholic, is not religious, is like, you know, goes out and parties, thinks she's pregnant. I mean, she just all kinds of stuff. It's not, you know, she's not living any kind of, she's a hairdresser. I mean, she's not a saint. And he gets mixed up in this case, Gabriel Byrne does. And um, he starts to kind of question what's going on here with everything, not just with her case, but with religion in general. But I... This movie is scary. I mean, it's a horror film because it has so many horrific elements and it, it involves the supernatural. Um, you know, is this, does this fit a lot of people's criteria? Maybe not yeah. of a horror film, but I, I think I see this as a horror film. Is stigmata. Do you know the history of that? Is that a biblical thing or no, is that it's, after it's the something fact? it's, it's after the fact, it's something that started coming around in the middle ages with, you know, saints and people who were, Again, like, you know, um, monks in monasteries, uh, nuns in convents who would suddenly start, uh, you know, wounds would appear in their hands and they would bleed. Right. And it, but it would happen when they were like, you know, um, in a really holy state of mm. prayer and mm-hmm. fasting and things. And this was supposed to be, which doesn't sound like it to me, but it's supposed to be a blessing. That's uh, how I like a curse to show me. love. Uh, right. Right. Hurt people. <laughs> right. Hurt people. But that's, you know, that's the idea behind it. So the fact that it's happening and it's happening to this girl, his, his bosses, so to speak, you know, are saying, Oh, this can't be real. This has got to be something else. Right. Um, but you know, it, it poses a lot of questions and I, I like this movie. I, I just think it's great. It, I, it I've always great. really liked it. We learned a lot in this. I had a non, uh, what was it? Comparative religions class in college. And they talked a lot about the gospel of Thomas. Um, and, and this, states that it was a historical document that some believed to be the actual words of Jesus to his disciples. However, which didn't make the cut. It didn't make the cut. Mm -hmm. Wait, are you telling me they didn't put everything in there? Right. It's almost like the council of Nicaea when they decided that Mm -hmm. Jesus was, you know, performing miracles. Anyway, so however, the real life document was written in Coptic and ancient Egyptian language uh, based on the Greek alphabet, not Aramaic as the movie states. Don't come at me about this. It's just, it's how it is. Um, The subway scene was shot on a fake train carriageway, the same one sometimes used in Seinfeld, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, Stigmata's great. You should check it out. Uh, Two more left on this list. Yes. House on Haunted Hill. Yes, the remake. The remake. Um, I just watched this, I mean, like two weeks ago, maybe. I... I just think it's silly. It's a silly movie, but it's so much fun. And it does have some scary stuff in it. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jansen, again. Beautiful. Um, But he, Jeffrey Rush plays this millionaire who runs like theme parks. Yes. And to, to tell you how, what the absolute perfect example of a 90s film in it is the opening sequence with the reporter is played by Lisa Loeb which just yeah. screams 90s <laughs> right, so, right. but anyway he he has this where people he invites people if they'll spend the night in this house they'll take home a million dollars but uh, the house in question belonged to this crazy doctor he had been using it as an insane asylum and he'd been like conducting experiments on the patients and stuff and then one night they all went crazy and attacked him and killed everybody and um, now we it turns out the house has altered the invitations as to who they went out to yeah and so all these like 
people who weren't supposed to be invited show up at the How house. How did it pick people? Did, it, did they well, say? Because, yeah, because they were all related to administrators at the mental hospital. Oh, they okay, were like okay, descendants right. of the people from the hospital. Okay, I didn't remember and that. And so the ghosts of the patients wanted revenge on Sure. Them. I didn't even rewatch this yeah. one because I'd seen and it so many times the back house. in the I day. Mean, it's got some bad CGI at the end, too. It does. The, the black. That, yeah. would, that could have been different. And then they're just, but, they're fucking stuck on the outside. Yeah. But the movie itself is, is fun. It's great. I, it's a great nineties. It is, a, you know, again, it's an epitome of a nineties movie. It, it, it has the classic, you're seeing one thing on the camera and yeah, then you're like not seeing stuff, it in real life. Right. Like I right. loved that right. scene. And, and I forget the guy you just mentioned, but the, the, the main guy, Jeffrey runs, Rush. he yeah. really gets yeah, into oh, the yeah, character. He hams it up. He's doing it. his best Vincent Price impression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who is, yeah. of course the, Character from the original version of House on the okay. played by Vincent Price, right? And um, well, that one's fun, and you know, well, it'll probably get make our list of fifties movies. But you know, f- as far as the nineties go, I like this one. Um, they also did; they also remade Thirteen Ghosts, which I love. That I love that too. Two thousand and one film, though, so I didn't. Good, it, but I, I couldn't it. put it on the list. But I think that the. I think that some of the the sequences with the ghosts in both movies Mm -hmm. are really effective. Sure. And I really like it in 13 Ghosts with the different ones. I just think it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. And uh, I thought this was fun, too. And they just it just works. I love Um, it in 13 Ghosts when the guy he was in without a paddle and scream, I think. And uh, I can't remember his name. It's a shaggy. Yeah. And shaggy. Yeah. yeah shaggy. Is, uh, um, I listened to a podcast with him the other day too. I can't remember his name, but I love when he, he basically saves everybody else. And he goes, I've been looking for a reason to like myself for a long time. <laughs> right, right. I know. And I, yeah, I really like really, that. He's really good in that. Yeah. But yeah, but house on Haunted Hill is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, check it out. It's, it's a classic. It's yeah. one of the first horror movies I ever saw. Really? And, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. Last movie on our list. This is the one that has made my, uh, spoiler alert, made my top yeah. ho- scariest horror movies of all time. And I put this as very last yeah. because I think this is the best film of the 90s. Yes. And, and I it, love Candyman, but this is the best This film is the, the best 90s, one. And it's set, it set pre- a precedent for something that it just it so much stuff was built yes. off of this. We got yes. so much bullshit because right. of this. A lot we also of bad, got, but with a lot of good too. And it, yeah. and this was also just this is a kind of a lesson. So the movie's a Blair Witch Project, but it, yes. it's a, it's a it shows that you can some people you don't have to have a lot of resources to do something right. fucking amazing. Something amazing. So, yes. I mean this this movie was groundbreaking. I mean it changed horror films as we know it yep. because it started the found footage craze that still hasn't gone away. Uh, uh, for every for uh, better but, or worse. But for every paranormal activity which is pretty good you end up with a hundred movies that are just awful yes. because they're cheap to make and easy to film and you don't need much of a script. But in this particular one Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, Michael Williams they're three film students who travel to Burkittsville, Maryland, to make a student film about a local urban legend called the Blair Witch. Um, they go into the woods for a couple of days on a hike looking for, you know, murder rock or whatever it was called, and then never come back. And then the premise is, is that a year later, somebody finds the films and the video they made buried under some rocks mm-hmm. at the edge of the woods, and they take it out, they watch it, and then this is compiled into the movie of The Blair Witch Project, which leaves the opening, or the ending, very open-ended so that you have to kind of decide for yourself what you think is happening. Right. But um, this movie... A lot of people can't watch it because they Why? found, well, when it first came out, there were all these complaints about, oh man, it makes me sick to my stomach oh, to the, watch this the because motion there sickness? was no found footage films for anyone Shut to watch. I can time. see that. So I guess. this was a new thing. Um, but 
that's what made it work. That's why it was so, I mean, now there's a, there are a dime a dozen. Yeah. At the time, there was nothing like it. And, and it wasn't just the film itself that made this movie so groundbreaking. It was the marketing behind it. What because was the mar- this I don't was remember the, the marketing time, at all. Well, they set it up as a true story for starters oh. with all these missing posters and all this stuff. They set it up as real. It's brilliant. And they even did a documentary that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel the curse of the Blair witch that made it a documentary about these missing students and about this real life serial killer who had been out in the woods and all this, this stuff. is different than the second. Yes. Blair witch this movie. is not the book of shadows. That yeah, was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and they also for the very first time used the internet. You got to remember how new the internet yeah, was in 1999. Yeah. They used that. They set up a website and made the website real like, like legit really yeah. looking for this they found this footage they're trying to find these kids they're missing and listen people really thought this was real yeah i mean i remember you know this was 99 um i'd had a website for about four years at this point mm-hmm. uh, but the internet was still new but i got daily daily multiple emails every day from people asking me for the true story behind the blair witch wow really thought it was real they really did um the good news for me was that same summer this came out, and I didn't even know it, but I put out a book called the very first edition of Season of the Witch, uh-huh. which, which was about the Bell, Bell Witch. Witch. Right? Is and that where they got the name? I don't know. I have no idea, but it didn't matter to me because I just right. I sold those things like hotcakes. I bet, I mean, man. I sold. Nobody complained, sure. you know, but it, I sold them like crazy because it, all they saw was something that started with B and ended with Witch, Perfect. and it really worked well. I, I, bet. Mean, I didn't even plan it, yeah. so you couldn't couldn't ask for better. But, you know, the first time I saw that, uh, I saw this film about two months before it came out in theaters. Uh, I had a friend who her husband was putting together the music. They actually had a soundtrack to this that came out later. And her husband was putting together the music for this. And they had given him a screener of it. Mm -hmm. And she had watched it and thought, I've got to send this to Troy. He's going to love this. And she said, just watch it. She says, I you going to see it early. It was just a. A, a copied videotape of it, which makes it sound like a movie in it's itself, like right? the ring it's or like some shit. Yeah. And she sent me this thing and I sat down and watched it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This yeah. is scary. So and cool. so as soon as it was over, I called a friend of mine and said, you got to come over and watch this movie. And we watched it again. Nice. And, um, I mean, I was already on board as soon as I saw this thing, I thought, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And uh, came out in the theater, and it was a little different than the cut I had that mm-hmm. came out. But um, it still worked in the theater. I thought it was still a good movie, and it still it still holds it's up. So cool, you know. I, I know there are people. I mean, I know people that just don't like it. That really hate the movie for whatever reasons, yeah. you know. But I think a lot of that comes from people trying to go back and watch it now who've never seen it before. Sure. After watching, you know. 50 or more the really you know, well found footage stuff. movies yeah. that have come out. Now you go back and watch this movie that was made, you know, like clerks using money from people's credit cards, sure. you know? And so you go back and watch it now and you're like, what the hell? You know, but it it's still, still holds up. It's still the I best found up. footage movie I've Absolutely. seen. I, I don't is. think anything's better. Even yeah. all those VHS movies we watch where we have like yeah. multiple directors and a yeah. shit ton of a budget or whatever. Right. Like, I know. No, no, no. This is, no, this is still, still better. Way yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, so this film's in the Guinness Book of World Records for top budget to box office ratio oh, yeah, sure. uh, for a mainstream film. So the film, do you know how much this movie cost to make? I don't remember. I remember it. Do you have any guesses? 
less than a, like 150,000 or something. 60k. Oh, 60k. Wow. That's and it was less. made for uh, it made back 248 million mm. and that's a ratio of uh, basically $1 to $11,000 made. Wow. Okay. Uh, so and in the scene where the actors are sleeping in the tent at night, the tent suddenly shakes violently, they all get scared. This was unscripted and the director shook the tent. The yeah, actors that, they, were actually scared. They sent scared. them out in the woods with those cameras and yep. then then followed them around and and like preyed on them yep. for a couple of weeks out in the woods. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they shot the whole movie apparently in eight days okay. is what it said but yeah they did yeah, they fuck with them yeah um and I think all the stuff with the rocks and the noises in the woods and stuff that was all yes. set up by the people and I, following them. i think that's why this one works so well is because it's like it is kind of real right, at some point you really piss people out off by and this t- and yeah. you get dude if you get me uh, if I haven't slept in 30 hours, I'll start to lose my mind. Oh, yeah, like, and yeah. you, you, if you filmed that, sure. I would look like a crazy person, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? And I think that's why this works so well. Um, and yeah, this is actually, it's going to be number 10 on my list. I'll just tell you, but this is one of the 10 films that has made me feel something yeah. the oh, most. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. it's terrifying and it does the jaws thing too, kind of where you don't mm-hmm. really see right. the, well, the you monster never actually and see what's out you there. You just see, yeah. you know, the corner and the house and everything, but it's, it's done so well. And it's, it spawned a bunch of bullshit for sure, but I did you see just, the sequel that came out a couple of years ago? No, no, called I'm not Blair Witch. About, yeah, yeah. Where the guy is looking, thinks his sister's still alive yes. out there. Yeah, I believe it or not, I actually like that. Oh yeah, I liked it too. I, I didn't um, like Book of Shadows, but I, I liked no, that I didn't one. like Book of Shadows. I, like I really Witch. liked the remake. I mean, it was not it was not as good as the original, but sure. it's a different concept because it's not. It's not, I mean, it's a horror movie, but it's not about a witch or a monster either. It's like, do I even say this? Should I say what it is? Yeah. Are we spoiling why, why, anything? Spoiler it's alert. It's a horror time travel movie, yes, essentially. Yes, yeah. And, uh, well, that doesn't give too much away, but the, the, the idea is that there's something wrong with those woods. Yes. I mean, and that's what it yes. boils down to. But if you haven't watched it, and I don't think a lot of people did because it didn't do any business. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, also, it's I, too bad if you missed it because it's, it's, it's definitely just worth watching. Blair Witch, right. which is like a little misleading right. if you're trying to right. stand but out. It's, but um, it's, you know, it's a sequel 20 years later kind yeah. of thing. And, but it is definitely worth, I think definitely worth watching. It's, it's the exact angle that they had to go into is like, this right. was my sister in the yes. original thing. Yes. And, but it works. Yes, it, it, does work. it reminds me a lot. There's a podcast called Tannis, um, that came out from the people that did this podcast called uh, the black tapes. I think it's a oh, yeah. Northwestern yeah. Or, or yeah, I remember seeing some, something like that. that. Yeah. Um, and they, it's, it's a, a audio drama, but they basically, they keep finding these cabins in the uh, Northern Pacific, like the, mm-hmm. the woods and stuff. And they'll measure the outside of it and then they'll go inside and then they'll measure the inside wall. And it's like, ridiculously longer and people right. will be wandering around these cabins and get lost that are like 12 feet by 12 feet yeah. and it really reminds me of some of this Blair yeah. Witch kind of stuff yeah. like and it's really it's really really cool if you like that kind of stuff I'd suggest checking it out um that's it. That's it. Those That's are the, the end movies. Of the list. So, um, I mean, I, you know, I actually had people asking me if we were going to be doing this again really? this year. So I hope they That's listen. That's good. Uh, both of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't them. know if everyone will listen to this because this is definitely way off what we normally do with the podcast. But it's something we like to do for Halloween. It's just fun. You know, we get to yeah. go around and do something different that we don't normally get to do. And we appreciate you guys, you know, going along with it for those of you who do listen. Um, 
Um, it's, you know, we know we get a little carried away and it gets a little long. Yeah. And you know what? But hey, maybe you got some ideas of some movies that maybe you either haven't seen or maybe you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. That you'd like to revisit. Um, they're everything on the list, I think, is worth watching. Um, sure. They're not all classics. But again, we didn't claim was, they were. It was the 90s. And yeah. there's some, you know, and we could have missed some stuff. We might have missed your favorites. If yeah. we did, you Let know, us drop know. us an email. Tweet at us we, something. We, something we should have included that we didn't because this didn't have any set numbers. I really just went through and picked everything that I liked. Out of the 90s, I, I had a couple you know. that I was going to add, but most of them were already on there. And then like, I, I was like, maybe I should talk about like tremors or scream or yeah, something, and, but I was like, yeah. eh. and it's not, it's not that those are bad. It's just that it just wasn't, I don't, they didn't, they didn't do anything for me. And I guess that's sure. why I put the list together the way that I did. Every one of these movies in some way I thought had something really worthwhile to it. And that's not to say that screen doesn't, right. it's just not my cup of tea. No, that's fair. I mean, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. Right, and, right, exactly. No, no, but let us know if, there, if there's From something. From a guy who doesn't know what Hammer films are. So, yeah. <laughs> something that's 100 years old, I don't it's know. It's not 100 years if old. If there's stuff that we missed, uh, yeah, let us know. Tweet at us, send us an email or something. Um, and if not, we will, I mean, we'll be back with yep, season we're four. We're going to be back. Yep, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the fourth season. And uh, we'll be delving right into New Orleans. And uh, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. All right. Well, happy Halloween. We got to tell everybody. Oh, happy Halloween. Halloween. You'll hear this hopefully a day or so before the holiday. So have a great and safe and happy Halloween. Yes. If you happen to be in Utah when you're listening to this, come see me at at Asylum 49 on Halloween night. I will be there with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and signing books. And uh, we'll be doing a ghost hunt of the asylum after the... uh, book signing meet and greet yeah. stuff at the beginning. So uh, if you get a chance, it's a Halloween thing for a good cause. So maybe we'll see you. That's awesome. And just remember, like, you should check your kids' candy, but I promise you, no one likes your kids <laughs> enough to give them free drugs. No no kidding. You, you don't give away yeah, free gummies drugs. Gummies are way too expensive. No one is going to dose your kids for fun. Right, Trust me. Right. This. That just so. doesn't happen. But have a safe and happy Halloween. Uh, it is now time for our Ghost Rider segment. Oh, if, wow. We have something else. We do. If okay. you have a question or comment about oh, the world of the macabre, we were done. Email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. Um, we only have a couple emails. One of them came in from Cody Benton, who mentioned well, earlier. No, yes, from from me. This is my I student, love your podcast. My pseudonym. Yeah. Well, the subject of this email is love the podcast. <laughs> no, this is Cody Benton. This is the guy who's okay. the, right, the right. vocalist for the death metal yes. band. Yes, okay. Um, and basically just told us how he found the podcast. And uh, yeah, after listening for a week, they went and visited, he and his wife went and visited the, um, the Velisca house. Yeah. And that's awesome. Um, and... He said, I, I had heard in an episode, Troy mentioned the curse of the 27 in his book on the devil's music. I just got my copy and started reading. Can't put it down. Keep up the great work. Um, I enjoy the shit out of this show. There's so much <laughs> I could tell you, but for today, I'll stop. Thanks, guys. Uh, keep it up. So that's awesome. Um, I think I know what the curse is. Yeah, but, the 27 oh, Club. It's right, it was like the Kurt the, Cobain yeah, kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's in the book. Right, know? yeah. So you want to check that out. Um, uh, what is it? Kurt, song of Dance and Death? Is that yes, what it's called? Yes, Song of Dance and Death. Nice. So yes, check that out. Thanks for writing in. Cody, great name. You sound awesome. Um, <laughs> this next one's from, the next email's from our good friend Mark Voorhees. He just said, it's season four. He said, Cody, just listened to the season four trailer and very excited. Uh, I believe I mentioned to you before that I grew up in New Orleans. I've read both of Mr. Taylor's, he's very formal, Mr. Taylor's 
books, uh, Haunted New Orleans and Wicked New Orleans, and I enjoyed both. Having read Murder in Their Beds, I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast about it, uh, which added a new dimension to the story, and I'm confident the same will hold for Yeah, it will. For yeah, we'll four. definitely be expanding on everything that's yeah. in those books. I think yeah. that's the thing, too, is like you talked about, like you can read the book, you can listen to the podcast, you can go on a tour, but like they kind of all add their own thing. It's all going to be different. Yeah, it's and they're all yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be expanding on everything with the podcast. Sure. So, yeah, so that is your friend, Mark. So, thank you, Mark. You are, you're, you're, you're probably the best friend of the podcast. Yeah, um, I think so. And then this is from another Mark, uh, Mark uh, Lineweber. I can cut that out if I have to. Mark, I uh, said, hi, I like the new, I like the new sound of your podcast. Season four sounds like it will be interesting. Mark. Well, I, well, love right. a, I love a little support. I do note. too. Me um, too. Short to the point. Yep. Great. Thank you, Mark, for writing in. Really appreciate it. Okay. Well, then I guess that does wrap it up. Sorry, I tried to wrap it up already uh, with my come see me on Halloween night thing. But anyway, we are uh, all finished up with, well, we're finished with three seasons and now our bonus Halloween episode and we'll be going into season four. So stay tuned for that. Spread the word. Get your friends excited about the fact that we are getting ready to start a new season next month and we will see you guys then. And and uh, so long, good night, and um, be seeing you. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. Um, this episode of the American oh, Punk Podcast on. was written this by Troy Taylor. This isn't even a real episode. It was produced like and edited by me, episode. Cody Beckett. Why so do take we have to have this? In each episode, bonus or not, we try to combine I history, God, folklore, legend, this imagination, season four, and the truth to reveal more about America's most haunted places, strange tales, and unexplained events and horror movies. American Hongs is a bi-weekly podcast. You can hear new episodes every other Tuesday, so please. If you're not going to read it the way that I wrote it, take a brand new look at history, hauntings, and horror movies. You can learn more about our podcast and find new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast apps by searching for American Hauntings, or you can go to AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com, where we also have links to some of Troy's books and information about upcoming tours, events, and haunted happenings. happenings. Remember, if you love the show or the books, American Hauntings is more than just this podcast. It's books, tours, events, Ghost stores and the Haunted see, American Conference. See what I mean? All of which you can find at our website at AmericanHauntings.net. See, this is why people don't listen to last and half of the And if you're one of this the people who right wish here. we this had a new show complaint. every week, the first well, half of the show is great, but the second you half is really boring. You have the chance to support the podcast by checking out our Patreon page. As a supporter, you get bonus episodes of the show, t-shirts, free stuff in the mail, and more. We're extremely excited about producing more shows with better equipment, and with your help, we can dedicate more time and resources to making that happen. Take a minute and check it out. But we think you like you. what you find at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. Yes, thank you. You can also find your hosts on Twitter, Instagram, oh Facebook. And if you have comments, suggestions, reviews, or jokes, be sure to pass them along. Until next season. Yes. Goodbye. So long and see you later. See you later. <laughs> I just talked to you the whole thing. That's